It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. It's game day. We have game action coming up tonight. Reds and Brewers, get your pacemakers ready. Get your uh, beers and wines and whatever it is that you need to cope with what's about to happen because it's going to be a stressful three days, but hopefully a good kind of stressful if we get some wins. We're going to talk about that later on, though. We've got a Daytona Tortugas update with the voice of the Tortugas. Justin Rock joins me today to talk about what's going on down by the beach down in single a and before we get into all of that though you know we got to roll that graphic it's the locked on podcast network your team every day you are locked on reds your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's good to be talking some baseball on a baseball game day. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks for finding the Locked On Reds podcast here. If you don't already, make sure you're subscribed right here on the YouTube channel, or if you're listening on the podcasting app, make sure you're following me there. And you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and find the show at Locked On Reds. All right, I want to bring him in. He is the voice of the Tortugas. He is Justin Rock. Justin, how is everything going today? I mean, I'm sure the weather is just uh, awful down in Florida. Probably <laughs> nothing to write home about. You know, how, how's everything going? Everything's going well, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, right now in Daytona Beach, luckily, blue skies above, uh, no clouds to be seen. A uh, little on the humid side, as you could imagine, as we get towards the, the middle and now towards the back end of uh, the month of July. But, uh, Thankfully, the uh, the weather is clear, the track is fast, and uh, we should have some baseball here at the Jack tonight. It's always good to hear. I know that there's some rain in the forecast up here, but there's been rain in the forecast for like the last three weeks, but that's Ohio. Um, <laughs> let's talk about things that aren't the weather. Let's talk about this Daytona Tortuga side. Lots and lots of prospects, but also lots of guys that have been on and off the injured list. I know that the roster's kind of been in turmoil because of that. How has Gooky Dawkins and the managerial crew kind of gone through with this uh, fluctuation? Uh, it's been tough, especially early in the season. It seems a lot of it happened, I'd say, in the first month, month and a half of uh, this 2021 campaign. And a lot of it's been, if not all of it, sort of been just freak injuries, stuff that, you know, things that you really didn't see coming, just awkward plays, just tough luck with guys going down here and there. Christian Roa, I mean, started right out of the gates. Christian Roa, first game of the season, first inning. Uh, felt something wrong, uh, left, was sent back to Arizona, actually just came back uh, and made his uh, Jackie Robinson ballpark debut on Wednesday. Bryce Bonin, uh, team flew in town from Arizona, something didn't go right in his first bullpen, and he went on the injured list to start the year. And then, of course, uh, the injuries to Tyler Callahan and Reese Hines happened within a span of about a half an hour of one another in the same game, Tyler Callahan made an outstanding play to his right, got up to his feet through to first and felt something wrong in his arm. He's been on the injured list with a right elbow strain ever since. And same thing with Reese Hines, got on base, uh, slid into second base. Everything seemed fine, but ended up with a, a small tear in his uh, meniscus in his left knee. And, you know, it, it, the 
the Tortugas have done an amazing job at finding ways to stay competitive and be right in the thick of a, a playoff push, it feels like, uh, here now into the back half of the 2021 season, just past the halfway point here in the minor leagues. And it, it's been impressive. A lot of guys have been thrust into roles that they weren't expecting to be in, particularly uh, in the starting rotation. Uh, guys like Carson Rudd, James Proctor uh, were ticketed to be in the bullpen. Uh, for us to start the year and had to slide into starting roles. And unfortunately, both of them have been on the injured list now for the last couple weeks or so. But uh, the good thing is, it seems like the team is getting healthier, particularly on the pitching side. Bryce Bonin uh, and Christian Roa are back. Uh, Evan Kravitz, who's been on the mend, has made a couple of rehab starts out in Arizona. And we look forward to hopefully getting him back sometime in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but they've done a marvelous job finding ways to to stay competitive, considering all the injuries uh, that have sort of thrown a curveball into this 2021 season. In the the time that you've got to see him before they kind of hit the injured list, and in Austin Hendricks' case, after he came off the injured list, I know it's not been the longest period of time, but how have they looked in your estimation? Uh, I mean, I thought Tyler Callahan looked really good. He showed really good bat-to-ball skills, played a really nice defensive second base, in my personal opinion. Uh, the big thing for Tyler that was really impressive was, you know, especially in this day and age and especially this year with the lack of a minor league season in 2020, it feels like the strikeouts have been up and he was towards the top of the league uh, and definitely still far and away on the team right now with the best strikeout percentage, just a little bit around like 12, 13 percent of his plate appearances were strikeouts, which was very good, uh, especially for low A Southeast. Reese Hines, um, I think he was just banged up off and on uh, before he had that tough injury that really ended his season. Um, I start traveling on the road until Lines was uh, on the mend. But most of his best stuff happened on the road at three home runs uh, the first of the year over in Palm. One during the St. Lucie. Uh, but he was really impressive as defensively at third base, and you could just see a power that he has when he makes contact on the ball, it just sounds so much different uh, coming off his barrel than as opposed to players. But he was a uh, he was mighty impressive, and they're just both really, really good kids first and foremost. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing them get healthier and hopefully get back to doing what they do best sooner rather than later. I know at the beginning of the season, whenever Major League Baseball announced all the different changes and things like that to minor leagues and the way that different teams are going to be ran and how many affiliations there were and things like that, there was a weird flip-flop between Dayton and Daytona. What have you noticed from that here, as you, as you mentioned, about halfway through the season in Daytona? Oh, I mean, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, there's always been this uh, – this joke, you know, that Daytona and, and Dayton and how it's so uh, closely, you know, compared with the names and, of course, being yeah. level separated. Uh, actually, after uh, all the changes, our, our call letters got changed on MILB.com. So we were both DAY for a little while and is in an email to say, uh, can we get that changed a little bit so people <laughs> actually know when they're going from one level to another uh, when they're checking out the stats on MILB.com and beyond. But uh uh, you know, the changes this year, it, there has been some differences, um, I think, particularly because there's been a lack of, of uh, rookie ball. Uh, you know, no more Appalachian League, no more Pioneer League uh, in the Reds minor league farm system. But I think the biggest uh, change in terms of the quality of the play and 
you know, maybe just the way the game is played here has been just the result of the lack of a 2020 season. A lot of these guys were developing at home, um, trying to find different ways to stay in shape. And everyone's experience was different um, from, you know, the person sitting to the left of them and to the right of them. So uh, I think those have been some of the big differences we've seen uh, so far this year. Um, the time of game, the pace of play has significantly slowed down, particularly in this league, uh, whether that's because of with the pickoff rule, they got rid of the pitch clock down here in low A Southeast. So there's no you know set time for guys to get into the box or for pitchers to be on the mound ready uh, to throw the ball to home plate. So that's been the biggest difference. The time of game has gone up. Uh, low A Southeast has one of the longest time of games. Uh, and all of baseball this year where, you know, in 2019 in the Florida State League in the old iteration, uh, we probably played some of the quickest games in the league. So uh, I think that's more related to the lack of a 2020 season. And I think what we see next year in 2022 will be a, a better indicator for, for what low A Southeast will look like long term. Well, I've got some uh, questions regarding maybe not necessarily pe- names that people know off of prospect lists and things like that. And there's a great promotion coming up this weekend at Jackie Robinson Field that I want to get into. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know that you can get into a Built Bar. When you go to BuiltBar.com, you, Justin, too, and, and the people watching, I can go to BuiltBar.com and use the l- promo code LOCKED15. You'll save 15% off your next order. It's the best-tasting protein bar on on the market. I can't keep them in my house. That's why I don't have any right now because I ate them all. You can check out my favorite flavor, Cherry Barcia. They've got coconut that tastes pretty much exactly like a Mounds bar, but we're talking about like less than four grams of net carbs, less than four grams of sugar, and up to 17, sometimes 18 grams of protein. They are way better than any other bar on the market when you're talking about protein bars. They get all chalky and just taste generally awful. That's not the way with Built Bar. Check them out today at BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Alrighty, uh, with um, with the season going on and the the moves that have been made to kind of keep the roster afloat with all these different entries, there's got to be some guys who have stepped up. I've noticed that Michael Triana's been doing pretty good. I think Triana or Triana, um, and then Yvonne Johnson and guys like that. Who has been somebody that you're not seeing on a prospect list right now for the Reds, but has really made some noise in Daytona? I um, mean, there's quite a, a few names, particularly uh, in, in different spots. So I'll start with the bullpen. The bullpen, um, you know, I think the best way to describe it is Kyle Bodie's Island of Misfit Toys. Um, uh, you know, guys from t- very different and very unique backgrounds, but have found ways to dominate. Um, there's Stevie Branch, you know, 24-year-old kid out of Division Three Rochester Institute of Technology. And he's been hitting 98, 99 miles an hour with his fastball. I think he's topped out at 99.4 so far this season. And his strikeout rate and his strikeouts per innings pitched is just absolutely absurd. I mean, he's near the top 10 in the league in strikeouts. And he's pitching out of the bullpen and throwing, you know, at most maybe two, three innings at a time. And he's, you know, predominantly been sort of our 1B closer over the course of the last couple of weeks. But another big name is one of the best stories you'll ever hear in baseball uh, with Vin Tipinelli, who's been our closer 
uh, over the course of the last couple months, leads the league in saves, has the lowest batting average against in all of minor league baseball, one of the lowest batting average on balls in play in all of minor league baseball. And the Reds found him in a men's league last summer playing in New Jersey as a catcher. He was from Division Three Ramapo College in uh, northeast New Jersey, not far away from where I grew up in Mawa, New Jersey. Uh, Lee Saris, uh, one of the Red Scouts, found him. Uh, they moved him into the bullpen. He's still actually listed as a catcher in the Reds' 2021 media guide. And he's got a, a mid-90s fastball. His fastball has reached as high as 98 and uh, a devastating slider. And uh, he's been absolutely remarkable out of the bullpen. And those, those two guys have really been some of the stalwarts at the back end of games. But uh, Daniel Veo, he and the catcher, he's not on any prospect lists. He's been pretty impressive, particularly behind the plate, one of the best caught stealing rates in all of minor league baseball. I think it's just a tick below 50% of all base stealers have been caught this season to the point where, you know, in low A Southeast this year with the pickoff rule, stolen bases have been up. But if you look at the stats overall, you compare what Daytona has given up in terms of stolen bases to other teams. It's in a different stratosphere because not just Bay O'Hean, uh, he and his teammates have done a great job of keeping base runners uh, at bay and keeping them right where they are. And another name offensively to keep in mind also staying uh, with the catch in position is Garrett Wolforth, who as of uh, Wednesday had a 27-game on base streak, got snapped, uh, had an 11-game hitting streak last month, a 12-game hitting streak uh, snapped earlier this week as well. And uh, he's really settled in nicely into various spots in Daytona's order. And also want to give a shout-out to one of our players as well, Gus Steiger, who was an undrafted free agent signee last summer out of South Dakota State, who's played every position for Daytona so far this year except for first base and catcher. Uh, and has basically hit pretty much everywhere in the order outside of third and cleanup. Uh, and he had no anticipation uh, of playing outfield this season. And has done a really nice job playing some roles in center or right. And, you know, he, they found ways to get him in the lineup uh, every day. But those are, you know, three, four, five guys that uh, aren't on any prospect lists right now, but may want to keep your eyes on as they continue to climb the ladder. I'm going to remember that name, Veoheen. That sounds amazing. That's a really, like, epic. Like, I feel like he should be a hockey goalie with that name. That's a. Well, that's- it, it, it's funny you say that. The, the nickname for him around the organization has been El Receptor. Uh, as a native of Colombia. So uh, he, he's got a pretty darn good nickname to go along with it as well. So uh, we'll see what happens with him as he continues to climb. I love I love hearing that. And, and especially when you're talking about the future at catcher, I know that the Reds have an option for Tucker Barnhart this season, but if they don't pick that up and, and even past that, you're looking at guys like Veoheen here in the coming future could be up on the major leagues. I love to hear that. Uh, r- real quick too, before we get wrapping up here, I wanted to ask you, um, what led to being the Daytona Tor- Daytona Tortugas broadcast? I feel like I've practiced saying that a million times and I still trip over it, but what's led you to get to this point in your career? Um, uh, thankfully, uh, through, you know, a lot of hard work, um, you know, like with any career, it's a lot of about who, you know, and sort of being in the right place at the right time. I- I've been all over the place. Uh, my first job was, uh, in this league for the old Brevard County Manatees in 2014. I uh, worked for the Tennessee Smokies Cubs affiliate for a couple of years in 15 and 16, uh, which was a lot of fun. Then spent a couple of years 
in the Appy League. Uh, I've been all around the NL Central affiliate-wise. The Pirates are the only team that haven't hired me yet. Uh, <laughs> but I worked for Johnson City with the Cardinals in 2017, and really the job that got me to where I am right now was 2018 working uh, when the Reds returned to the Appy League uh, in Greenville, Tennessee. And that was actually my first experience working with uh, our manager, Gooky Dawkins, our hitting coach, Daryl Brinkley. This is actually the third different time I've worked with uh, one of our development coaches, Reggie Williams, worked with him in 2018. Actually, my first year working in baseball, Brevard, he was one of our assistant coaches as well. Three amazing people, three of the best people you can ask to uh, to be around. And uh, sort of through that uh, connection with Greenville in 2018, uh, that same year, Luke Morrow, who was the voice here in Daytona, uh, got a job as the broadcaster up in South Carolina as the lead voice of the Citadel. Uh, one of the military academies out there in South Carolina, and uh, was able to, to you know get connected to the right people, and slid in here in Daytona for that 2019 season. And uh, you know, three of the four guys that uh, were in our infield that year have already made it up to the major leagues and are already making impacts uh, left and right uh, throughout the Red System. So it, it's been a blast being here, especially considering all the history uh, and just all the baseball players that have come through. Uh, Jackie Robinson ballpark dating back to when it opened, uh, believe it or not, 1914. I know that there were a lot of people and you had mentioned one of the infielders and he is a dude that is setting the world on fire in the majors. And that's Jonathan India. That's a guy that whenever people saw his numbers in the Florida state league, I think they immediately wrote him off. And I know that there were plenty of people, obviously the Reds, since he's in the major leagues now, didn't give up on him. Whenever you were watching him and seeing those numbers, were you kind of thinking to yourself like, yeah, there's more than this, more to this guy than meets the eye? Yeah, I mean, I was blessed. I got to to work with Jonathan right out of the gate. Uh, I was with him his first stop after he signed at the University of Florida in Greenville, Tennessee for a couple weeks. Got to call his first professional home run. Uh, and then got to be reunited with him the very next year, uh, right back here in Daytona Beach. And you knew it all. He always had it in him. Um, you wonder a little bit at times in 2019, um, considering he was playing in his home state of Florida, not too far away from where he went to college, maybe potentially a case of maybe putting too much pressure on himself uh, to try and perform. And you also have to remember, look at where he's playing right now in the major leagues. He was playing a totally different position. Uh, down here in Daytona Beach. He wasn't taking ground balls at second base down here until the halfway point of that 2019 season was predominantly at third. And they were thinking of even keeping him at shortstop at times uh, early on in his minor league career. So I think some of that uncertainty led to that. And the other factor that, you know, some people sometimes forget to keep in mind is uh, in the old Florida State League, now low A Southeast, these are all, uh, you know, major league spring training complexes. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, we're playing outdoors here in Florida with the humidity, uh, you know, all the water that's sort of in the air. The ball just doesn't travel uh, as well as it does in different leagues across uh, the United States in terms of the minors. So that sort of quells a little bit of the numbers, balls that he might have been driving out of the ballpark, you know, in Chattanooga or Louisville were, you know, dying on the warning track or things like that. But you could just tell the way he played and the way he composed himself as a player that, you know, if all the tools and all the things sort of broke the right way, uh, it would all sort of come together for Jonathan. But the best thing uh, that I can say about Jonathan and from what I've heard from other people as well, um, was I think something, not only something happened, but 
you know, during the course of the pandemic, he took a lot of young players under his wing and really helped them. I mean, we talked about Reese and Tyler Callahan a little bit earlier on in the podcast and spoke to both of them before, uh, you know, they went down with injuries. And they said, well, they were at the alternate site last year uh, at Prasco Park in Ohio. Uh, Jonathan Indy was one of the guys that really took them under his wing and taught them how to, you know, attack things professionally as a hitter, how to be a professional baseball player. And uh, I think that spoke to the kind of professionalism and the kind of things Jonathan learned uh, his first two years in minor league ball. And obviously that, that type of leadership and that kind of uh, mentality has done wonders, uh, not just for the minor league system, but for the Reds up in the major league level in 2021 too. That's awesome because it's been a joy to watch him. He's been a spark for this team. He and Tyler Stevenson have just been amazing whenever they're up to the plate. And I saw a stat that I want to shout out a past guest on the podcast, Joel Luckup, shared that the best by far OBP for a rookie in the leadoff spot has been Jonathan India so far this season at 430. I mean, he's getting on base at a crazy clip, and you love to see that because that's like Shinsu Chuian numbers when it comes to leading off. And, uh, man, I appreciate your time. I've had you a little bit longer than I asked you for, so I'm sorry about that. But real quick before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about this. There's a great promotion coming up this Saturday at Jackie Robinson Ballpark, and I am a huge fan of The Office. So my question is this. Why wasn't it Prison Mike? But I do like Recyclops. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think part of the reason we did uh, the Recyclops instead of the Prison Mike thing is um, actually I was talking with uh, Doug Gray of ResMinorLeagues.com a little while ago, and there had been some Recyclops-style bobbleheads done throughout minor league baseball, and I think they were all sort of in the bane of Prison Mike and something like that. So us with the Daytona Tortugas, we're always looking for ways to do things um, that, you know, not necessarily have been done before, but trying to put new spins on things and, you know, be a little bit different than what everyone else is sort of doing. And that's where, you know, the Recyclops bobblehead came in. Actually, it was supposed to be a part of our promotional schedule last year in 2020. So these have been sort of sitting in the humidor ready and waiting to go for uh, for quite some time. And thankfully, uh, this weekend, this Saturday, first 1,000 fans through the gates here at the Jack will uh, – get their hands on a Recyclops bobblehead courtesy of bowlingball.com. And uh, we're really excited. It's our first bobblehead giveaway of the season. And uh, I think it's just a, a small sign now that, you know, we're half, halfway through this minor league season. And, you know, everyone in minor league baseball are really getting back to doing uh, what they do best, whether, uh, you know, it's the minors or, or now the new iterations of the Appian Pioneer League that were in minor league baseball uh, the last time there was the season, it, it's just uh, it's great to see everything uh, beginning to get back in full swing in the minor leagues. And for us, uh, part of that is Recyclops Bobblehead coming up on Saturday. So if you're around Daytona Beach, get here early because uh, they'll be going fast. I wish I could be down there. That's awesome, Justin. <laughs> I, sir, I appreciate you coming on. This is the first time getting my chance to talk to you, and I hope I get to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Anytime you need me, I'll be here, Jeff. Thank you, Justin. All right, coming up, we are going to take a look at this Reds Brewers series that is starting tonight, and it's kind of just a continuation of those last four games. I really look at it as a seven-game series. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Before we talk about that series, though, I wanted to tell you about betonline.ag. It is the only online sports book that I trust 
and you should too. They've got great lines when it comes to Major League Baseball. They've got the NBA Finals. They've got NFL Futures that are coming up. All of that great stuff can be wagered upon at betonline.ag. And when you go there today, set up your profile and type in the promo code LOCKED ON. You'll get 50% added onto your initial deposit. That means you put in 100, they'll give you an extra 50 just for typing in this promo code. And I'll give you a tip. I try to do this every so often. I have different thoughts about different games, and I have a really strong feeling. You're going to think this is crazy, but the Dodgers are in Colorado. I have told you about the voodoo magic of the Colorado Rockies at Coors Field. I think it continues tonight. They've got Antonio Sensatella on the mound against Julio Urias. I think that the Rockies get the win. The Rockies are sitting at plus 170 on the money line, so a little bit of value, too, if you take them. I'm taking the Rockies, and you should, too. So go over to betonline.ag, set up your profile, type in the promo code Locked On. You'll get 50% more on your initial deposit and put some money down on the Rockies plus 170 to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's betonline.ag and the promo code Locked On. Excuse me. there. All right. Let's talk about this series. The Reds and Brewers are back at it. Those four games in Milwaukee were everything. They were a pressure cooker, pressure pack, just absolute sweating. You never felt like either team had control of the game literally until the last out. And the fact that the Reds beat Josh Hader on back-to-back nights, that dude's going to be pissed. So if the Brewers get a lead, and they get into the bullpen, Josh Hader's going to be thrown with a little extra oomph tonight. You can bet on that. It's going to be interesting to see how this series plays out because the Brewers have only announced their probable starter for tonight. We've got Tyler Malley going up against Adrian Hauser tonight. You figure that the Reds will see some form of Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns Saturday and Sunday. I bet it's Woodruff on Saturday, Burns on Sunday since Burns pitched in the All-Star game. That way they give him like a normal amount of rest, but the Reds have yet to see Corbin Burns and they're only playing six more games against the Brewers. There's no chance that they go through an entire season without playing against one of their best pitchers, right? I would think so anyway, but the Reds are throwing the top of the tippy top of the rotation this weekend. You've got Tyler Malley on Friday, Luis Castillo on Saturday and Sonny Gray on Sunday. I can't wait. I'm going to be down at the ballpark tonight watching that Malley versus Hauser matchup. And a quick thought about Hauser because he's pitched against the Reds three times already this year. And when you look at those three times, he has given up his first outing against the Reds at Great American Ballpark back on May 10th. He gave up six earned runs, three of three of them off homers, one home run by Tyler Naquin and two by Jesse Winker. That was one of Jesse Winker's two, three home run games during the first half of the season. And that was just a phenomenal performance by those two guys. And then the next couple of ones, he's actually two or the Brewers are two and one in the three starts that he's made against the Reds. Now he's not kept the scoreboard clean in all of them. In fact, he's given up three total runs and at at least three total runs in all three of his starts. A couple of them were unearned in some cases, but at least three total runs in each start so the Reds can put some stuff on the board. So how does Tyler Malley bounce back from his last outing? Because his last outing, he was not very pitch efficient. And he even said so in the postgame. He's like, I was trying to throw too much junk early on, and I hadn't established a good strike zone yet. So 
guys weren't chasing. They weren't biting on the bad pitches. So you can expect he's going to be a little bit more conservative with his pitches and try to establish that strike zone to the hitters early on and then work in his junk stuff later on, the splitter, the curveball, things like that. So I'm looking for a good night tonight. I'm not going to say one way or the other, but can you imagine just for a minute I know we are Cincinnati sports fans and allowing ourselves to think about the best case scenario isn't really in our nature, but for a moment, can you imagine on Monday when the Mets get to town, if the Reds sweep the Brewers, (sighs) I just got chills thinking about that. I don't know. This is going to be a tough series. The Brewers are a good team. The Reds beat them three out of four, and they swept them the series before that. So we're all thinking like, man, man, the Brewers, they are still a very talented team. Make no mistake about it, though. The Reds are a good team, too. This is going to be another fun three games, and there's only six left against the Brewers. So the time to make some hay is this weekend. So go make some hay, Reds. Go make some wins, more importantly. And let's see where we're at. On Monday, we'll be talking all about that, recapping this series that I'm sure is going to be filled with drama, lots of things to get to. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure the best way to not miss anything is to subscribe right here to the YouTube page. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Also, Get on the Lockdown Reds line, 513-549-0159. You can call it. You can text it with questions, comments, reactions, whatever you've got. Also, shout out. There was a question that I noticed on the Lockdown Reds line asking about probable starters because they wanted to go see Graham Ashcraft and Chattanooga. You can check out each team's webpage. If you go to ChattanoogaLookouts.com, I think it's like MILB.com slash Chattanooga Lookouts or something like that. Just Google Chattanooga Lookouts. They'll have the probable starters for, so far as they're announced, on their webpage. So you can figure out what days you can go to see the specific guys you want to see. And that's the best way to do that. But, all right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Now, tell your smart device to go play the Locked On MLB podcast. Sully, call Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully, has a wealth of knowledge of baseball present and past, and he imparts it to you each and every day. You can find the Locked On MLB podcast wherever you get your podcast, but that'll do it. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Thanks to Justin for talking some Tortugas with me. And we'll see each and every one of you on Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.